This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. everyone welcome to tribe talk jim rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we continue to join you from home while we await the return of major league baseball and i say that in a positive way i know it's hard to be with uh, all the news of the back and forth that's going on and unfortunately so much of it seems to be challenging news uh depressing news how are they ever going to get an agreement done between major league baseball and the players association but uh, the hope is that that they will get there and and get to that finish line, regardless of what it takes to get there in terms of the back and forth. And uh, certainly both sides still working diligently to try and find some middle ground that works for both and uh, get players back on the field here in 2020. And uh, we've seen other sports start to uh, make those concrete plans to return, most notably the NBA and the NHL. NASCAR has already returned, the PGA Tour returning soon, so hopefully baseball can be a part of that. And certainly uh, at the Cleveland Indians, all the scenarios that possibly could happen are being planned for when a return does take place. And I'll continue to say when a return. And um, if you're listening to this show and and you just say, why are you saying that? Uh, I choose to be optimistic about it, and uh, there's no reason not to be and uh, until we hear differently so uh, that's how we'll approach it on this show and, and hopefully you tune into this show uh, for the baseball talk for an hour on on your weekend and uh, that's a good thing for you as a baseball fan now coming up on this week's show in the second half of the show we'll check in with scott barnsby the indians director of amateur scouting uh, scott's preparing for the draft the amateur draft is next week and there'll be a lot of changes and challenges remember now scouts were pulled off the road on March 11th and haven't been able to see some of the players that they'd like to draft in live game action since that time, which uh, normally that springtime is uh, such a great time to get those last looks in. But uh, just because of the coronavirus precautions, they haven't been able to do that this year. And we'll talk to Scott about how they worked around that. Also, the draft goes from 40 to five rounds, only five rounds. The Indians have six picks and uh, they'll make the most of those. And then go to the free agent route. Every year, there's amateur free agents signed after the draft. 
And this year, there'll be a lot better quality of player because there'll only be five rounds worth of players drafted. So uh, the Indians on the case there, too, and we'll talk to Scott about that. But when we return, we will uh, bring back an interview with, with one of the great guys in the game, and I just thought it was appropriate this week with, with so much going on regarding our game, trying to get back on the field. You want to feel good about baseball and what makes it a great game? You just listen to about 10 minutes worth of Indians advisor to minor league operations, Johnny Gorrell. He's 86 years old. He's been in the game for 70 years. There's some serious perspective there, folks, and we'll hear from Johnny when we come back as Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, continues on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Nobody on, no score. Indians going to their traditional home white unis today with the navy blue and red trim. The pitch swung on, hammered deep right field. There she goes, gone for Ramirez. The pitch swung on, hit high, hit deep to center. Back goes Wilkerson. It is gone. Carlos Santana, a solo homer to center. Now the one-two hit pretty well. Deep right center field by Lindor. It is gone to the bullpen. These are obviously unprecedented times, and I think baseball in general, whether there's fans in the stands or whether it's in Cleveland, baseball on the public's TV will bring some sort of normalcy back to people's lives, and I think that will be huge. But obviously, you know, we got to make sure everybody's safe. I know there's going to be a lot of challenges presented, but thankfully we've got a lot of people working around the clock right now to figure things out for us. Whenever they say go, like I feel like, you know, if, if the guys are treating, you know, this time off like spring training, you know, we, we've all been working hard and, you know, it's really hard to be patient during this time. You know, we're just waiting for that phone call. When we get that phone call, you know, I can imagine it will it'll only take a couple of weeks for us to get ready to go out there and start playing. I can't wait to to be back on the field, man. I, I miss baseball. It's uh, it's crazy. But uh, at the same time, you know, I've been spending a lot of time with my family, hanging out with the kids. It, it is a strange time. Um, you know, I guess the closest that I could compare it to, you know, the strike of 1994. But even then, it, it, it truthfully doesn't compare because there's so many other factors involved with just day-to-day life it, it's not just a a labor disagreement or a labor dispute uh this is something that's affecting everyone you know it, it's difficult but um you know hopefully we can get to the end and, and hopefully soon starts to see some light at the end of the tunnel i mean our country's getting tested like like it hasn't in a long time so i guess my point is is when you see baseball that means that there is some sense of normalcy coming back, which will be a really great sign for everybody. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from home as we continue to wait out the return of Major League Baseball in 2020, and we hope that is something that will happen. We don't know at this point. You probably know as, as much as I do based on what you may read whether via social media or other outlets. And again, some of that may be uh, facts, some of it's speculation. Uh, We just don't know for sure, but we do know that Major League Baseball and the Players Association are continuing to try and work through 
differences to get back on the field at some point safely in 2020. So what do we do for a pick-me-up? Well, we're going to return to an interview that we've heard before on this show with just one of the, the really, truly nice people in the game And he has been in the game for a long, long time. And we're talking about the Indians' advisor to player development, Johnny Goral. Johnny broke into baseball when he signed with the Boston Braves as a free agent back in 1951. His first year with the Tribe was 1982, and he's done it all. He's played in the major leagues. He's managed in the major leagues. He was the Minnesota Twins manager for a brief time. He's been a coach, an advisor, an instructor, has spent a ton of time with the Indians in player development, and he is now 86 years of age. And if indeed baseball does come back this season and uh, Johnny has a role to play, it would be his 70th year in professional baseball, and that is amazing. We caught up with Johnny Goral last summer. He was visiting the ballpark and was in uniform, as he always is when he comes to Progressive Field, to check in on the Major League team. And when we caught up with him, we asked him what keeps him going after all this time in professional baseball. Oh, man, the love for the game, Rosie. You know, uh, I mean, you got to love something to keep after it. And the, the fact that you had the opportunity to impact some young ballplayers' careers and uh, – Maybe it's a little something of encouragement that you might say to them or something you might say to help them out. It's a lot of satisfaction in that respect. And the other thing I enjoy doing is is all the friends that I've made over the years, I get an opportunity to spend time with them and see them. Your first year in professional baseball, 1951. And... We talk a little bit about minor league baseball these days. The facilities are really good. Anyone who's been down to Columbus has seen a beautiful ballpark, spacious clubhouses, things like that. And uh, really the Indians try and give their minor league players as many good things to to get them ready for the big leagues as possible, be it uh, diet, medical, things like that. 1951, Bluefield, West Virginia in the Appalachian League. Explain what you walked into there and, and what it was like as a young player then. Well, I really never paid much attention to it. I was just happy to have the opportunity to play professional baseball. I was 17 at the time, right out of high school. I went to Bluefield, uh, with for, played for a manager by the name of Xavier Resigno. A really nice man. He was a former pitcher professionally. But when I walked into the clubhouse, I got a rude awakening because I walked into the clubhouse and they had they had slats on the floor over dirt that kept you from walking in the dirt and uh, being able to at least change a uniform and not get it dirty before you went out on the field. And we had a 16-penny nail hammered into the, the wood wall with our name over it, and that was your locker. Wait a minute, no no, um, no electricity to, to recharge your iPhone or anything like that? <laughs> that was, I, I don't know if we had electricity. Let me tell you another thing about that, Rosie. We only had two shower heads in the, taking care of 18 players, and that was a little crowded at times. <laughs> We're visiting with Johnny Goral, now an advisor in the minor leagues for the Tribe, former bench coach for the Indians. So you go, you break in 1951, and, and you tell us about Bluefield. You had an opportunity to be on 
Mike Hargrove staffs in 1997 and 1998. And uh, boy, those times were about as good as it gets for the Cleveland Indians. What was it like for you being a part of that? Well, probably the biggest thrill I've ever had in, in the game was the fact that we went to the World Series in 97. And what a, what a playoff run we had there uh, where we beat the Yankees. Sandy Alomar had a big, big series uh, for us in that, uh, that uh, first round with the Yankees. And we, and we beat them here in, in uh, this ball, not, I think it was in this ballpark. And, uh, and I know that, uh, I can't remember who, it might have been Mattingly or O'Neill. I might have been O'Neill at the time. And he just missed hitting a home run in right center field that missed going out of the ballpark by about six inches that would have beat us. And we came back the next inning and won, won the game in extra innings. And we were on our way to Baltimore to play the championship round. And we, we beat Baltimore and then got the opportunity to go to Miami and play the Marlins down there. Biggest hot break I ever had in my life. You know, not being able to win that World Series, I'm sure I shared that with a lot of people here in Cleveland because we all, we were all pretty, pretty, we had a couple chances to win ball games, which we never did. And unfortunately, you know, we're still looking for that World Series ring, I am. Well, you've been with the organization since 1982, and obviously some high points at the major league level there. A lot of your time has been spent at the minor league level, and what has made this minor league organization a constant feeder for, for the big club and, and, in your mind, a, a pretty successful minor league operation here? Yeah, um, you know, Rosie, over the years I've been here, most of my time has been in the minor leagues, but over the years when I went into the organization as a minor league uh field coordinator uh, back in 1989. Uh, we ended up being the, the model organization for player development back a few years after that. And a lot of it, we, we had a philosophy where if we had good people, we tried to hire them back to keep our organization stable and, and be able to teach players the way we would like to have the game played and fortunately for us we got a lot of lot of good minor league staff that we retained and held on to just indications alone of what's happened in the game as far as the Cleveland Indians organization is concerned we have general managers scattered throughout baseball we have coaches that are former players here as well uh, that are coaching and managing in minor league systems. So actually people recognize people, the baseball people are recognizing that and you know we're all proud of the fact that that's uh, a, a trademark of ours and we try to do things the right way. We try to give the players, our players the best of whatever it is that they need to become better of major league players and I don't know. I mean, I think we do it the right, the right way, Rosie. And I'm, I'm so proud of the fact that I'm part of that, and I'm so proud to be in this organization this many years that they wanted me to come back. Period. Hey, before we let you go, 
uh, obviously a lifetime in baseball. You you may have seen it all, or at least close to it. And you worked for some people that that certainly had uh, historic backgrounds. And maybe the most colorful would be Billy Martin. You were on one of his staffs with the Twins. Yep. Um, how crazy was that? Was that as and maybe different an experience as any that you've had in the game? Well, let me let me tell you if if. A mistake happened on the field, and you were a coach. When that happened, if as the if the player was a base in a base running situation, and he screwed up on the field, the player didn't get chewed out. It was the coach. I mean, that's the way Billy operated. He he made it a point to that he made us stay on our game so that we could make the players stay on theirs. And if you didn't tell him the number of outs and give them other hand signs like watch the line drive, make it go through, different scenarios like that. I mean, he was on top of the game at all times and he wanted you as one of his staff members to do the same thing. And in closing, um, nice day here in Cleveland. You've, you've been Lake County uh, going to Columbus. How long you want to keep going? Well, I'm gonna play that one by ear right now, Rosie. Uh, I got some medical issues with my knees that I gotta take care of this uh, this fall, and we'll see how that goes. And if it goes well enough, I'll probably come back for another year. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, Johnny Girl. Great to see you. Always fun to catch up, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you, really nice being with you again. One of the truly great men in professional baseball, Johnny Goral, Indians advisor now to player development, still going strong at the age of 86 and as he said at the end there he kind of takes inventory at the end of each year but hoping to be a part of whatever baseball looks like here in the 2020 season now a big part of player development is drafting and developing and the amateur draft takes place next wednesday night it begins and it ends on thursday a shorter draft this season we'll get all the details on how things look for the tribe with their Director of Amateur Scouting, Scott Barnsby, when we return after this timeout. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from home as we wait out the return of Major League Baseball, and, and hopefully that is soon. And uh, we still hold out hope that maybe around July 4th weekend, if they can work things out, that things would begin and, and it would be a, a substantial number of games. We've heard anything from uh, the low 50s, upper 40s in terms of games played all the way up to a, a half a season. I know the Players Association asked for more than 100 games, and uh, that's what they're trying to work through. One of the many issues that they're trying to work through to get back on the field, but there is still time to get that done and, and maybe get back to playing around July 4th weekend. But we'll see. It could be after that. But uh, I know certainly uh, everyone on each side wants to get back on the field at some point here in 2020. So we'll see if, if that can happen. We don't know yet, but hopefully it will. One of the things that will happen next week is the amateur draft, which has been a lifeline to this great run of success for the Indians. They have drafted and developed extremely well. So many key players drafted by the Indians coming up through the system and then contributing, and no better example of that than last season. With all the injuries to the starting rotation, you had three members 
of the 2016 draft for the Indians, who were in the rotation at one point in time, talking about Shane Bieber, Aaron Savali, and Zach Plezak. Just remarkable, uh, the quick move for all three of those pitchers to be key contributors for the Tribe. Now, the director of amateur scouting for the Indians is Scott Barnsby. Beginning his 21st season as a member of the Tribe, he's been uh, a scout in different areas during his career and now at the head of that draft board, and it will be radically different this season. The draft has gone from 40 rounds to just five rounds, and for the Indians, they'll have the opportunity to select six players. Their first-round pick is number 23 overall. Then they have a competitive balance pick at the end of the first round, the 36th overall pick. And then in rounds two through five, they'll pick 56th, 95th, 124th, and then their last pick is pick number 154. So six selections in the draft itself, and then they do have the ability to sign free agents who don't get drafted. So a lot of those players, and and you think about someone like a Zach Plezak, he was taken in the 12th round, a pitcher like that or a player like that, if the Indians are interested, so are the other teams. It just turns out to be where that player or pitcher wants to spend his pro career and where he thinks the best chance of reaching the major leagues will be. There is a cap on signing bonuses, so it's not like there would be a bidding war. $20,000 is the cap on the sign. So it is an equal playing field, and the Indians certainly feel that they have some advantages there, and we'll explain that and talk about that with Scott. But first, uh, when we talked to Scott earlier this week, we asked him about the draft going from 40 to 5 rounds and how that impacts how he's gone about it with his scouts and the front office. And he says, really, despite the decrease in rounds, the principles to the draft are still very much the same. Oh, well, first, I... I can't tell you that it has been a a big difference in terms of how we've worked through this. So every year you look at it, you try to get a wide pool. We usually operate within, you know, 800 to 850 players. Uh, obviously we won't end up uh, working through that many players this year, just because of the number of rounds. So that, that doesn't mean we have taken any less time to prepare for the players up top. Uh, we've done a little bit better job, I think, in terms of prioritizing and making sure that our entire staff is efficient and focusing on the right things. Uh, so it has been you know, a little different in terms of we have had an opportunity to narrow our focus a little earlier in the process, but the preparation and how we've worked through the meetings has not been very different. And, of course, that added challenge has been uh, seasons ended in, in mid-March. So uh, how big a, a challenge was that when when baseball on the college and high school level, the amateur level, was shut down in terms of, of you being able to see certain players that you have an interest in? Well, I think it goes back to every year. Last year, the end of 2019, and this happens every year after the draft, we immediately focus on the following year. So our staff did an incredible job over the summer and the fall, not only getting live looks, but spending time getting to know players and gathering as much information as possible. So we really did feel like we had a good foundation heading into the spring. With that being said, uh, certainly, you know, things changed quickly 
Uh, I want to say it was around March 11th where we recognized that things were speeding up in terms of the, the coronavirus. And we knew that uh, we were going to have to make some adjustments. And the number one responsibility was to make sure that our staff was safe and healthy. Uh, they were traveling around uh, from airport to airport, jumping in rental cars, uh, staying in hotels. And as we continued to get advice from our medical staff, it was important to get everybody off of the road. Uh, so once we did that, the group went home. We made sure everybody was safe. Uh, our number one priority was to stay connected. And then once we did that, it was time to really assess where we were in the scouting process. Uh, so just took a look back to see how much information we had on specific players. We essentially did a gap analysis and then tried to come up with a targeted approach from March through the draft. And fortunately, over the last year, we've actually spent quite a bit of time for the last few years. Uh, technology has been a, a huge benefit for all of us. And we just decided it was time to uh, continue to work down that path. So it wasn't a significant adjustment, uh, but it was clearly uh, a little different in terms of how we normally operate. Were you out there on the road when, when it was time to shut it down? And, and are there any stories of scouts struggling to to get back home and, and to a safe spot when the coronavirus shutdown really took effect? Yeah, well, I, so yes, I was on the road. And I think the one thing that I can't say enough about the leadership in this organization is that just the vision. We, I know I'm biased, but we always seem to be very prepared for anything. And looking ahead, we had a really good idea where the entire staff uh, was we knew the games that they were at uh, for me personally I was down in Florida with one of our scouts uh, we had just spent some time with a player uh, just left a junior college game and I uh, jumped on the phone with Matt Foreman and Matt uh, we just started to discuss what the plan was Matt was in Arizona obviously they were working through the plan in Arizona as well um, so we immediately said let's get everybody off the road so had a systematic approach uh, kind of used the buddy system called everybody to let them know what our plan was uh, reached out not only via phone but email uh, as, as people were traveling and made sure that everybody was able to get back home safely within 24 hours we had the entire group back uh, at home and then we gave the group some time to settle in. Obviously not an easy thing to do to adjust routines as you're working from home from family with kids and all that uh, stuff going on. But yeah, that was, that was what happened. And, and yes, I was on the road for a little bit. Scott Barnsby joining us, Indians Director of Amateur Scouting. All right, logistics on uh, the first night of the draft next week, and then there's, there's one other night. Uh, how different will it be in terms of, of the actual physical part of, of making the picks and, and everything that goes into that? Well, it's going to be a little bit different because Major League Baseball has shared that it will be a fully remote draft, uh, so we're going to operate accordingly. And in terms of making the pick, and we always talk about making sure we're prepared uh, to make a good decision in the moment, uh, I do, that part won't change. Uh, as far as all of us not being in the same room to be able to discuss and uh, bounce out for any necessary phone calls. That will be a little bit different as we work through that and we're all on Zoom. Uh, so there will be could be some challenges there. Uh, we have done our best to uh, learn and become extremely proficient on Zoom. And I will tell you that our staff has done an incredible job with that. So I, I think we're going to be in a good spot heading in, uh, but we'll see. I hope that we don't have any challenging stories that come up that I need to share with you after the draft, but I think we're in a good spot heading in. Yeah, but draft week is always a I'm, I'm sure a, a fun time for you guys challenging as it is but um everybody gets together in that one room and and 
and that's fun. That's why you do your jobs. Are you going to miss that part of it? You think, and when you look back on it, maybe after it's done. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that's one of the most special moments when you walk into that draft room. And first, it's in all honesty, it's, it's a sense of relief because you look around the room and you see the pride on everybody's face and you realize how much work has gone into it, not just from our amateur staff, but from the entire scouting department uh, and the entire organization. And so, yes, certainly going to miss that. And, and I'll be honest with you, there's really no better feeling than when we make that first selection and the, the room explodes uh, with excitement and everybody uh, you know, walks over and talks to the scout um, where the area where the area scout where the player was from. And then making that phone call to the player is certainly exciting as well. But not being in person and doing it together will be a little disappointing. Uh, but we're going to make sure we're as connected as possible throughout the entire draft. And uh, hopefully we don't miss miss out too much on that area. Well, a theme here certainly is preparation. What about on the home front? You're doing this from home. Uh, how have you prepared to, to make sure that, that you're in a good spot on uh, those two nights next week? Absolutely. Well, fortunately, we have an incredible support system at work, and I am fortunate to have an incredible support system at home. So my wife and boys are here. Uh, they will be around. They're excited for the draft as well. I have hunkered down in the office and uh, our IT staff uh, has been outstanding in terms of preparation and making sure we're fully equipped uh, to work the draft remotely. Uh, so I feel like I have a pretty good setup. Uh, I'm actually very proud of the setup that I have right now because I feel like I will be able to stay connected uh, with some backup devices. So we are ready to go. But uh, yeah, so that's that's I'll be in Huntsville, Alabama for the draft. And turning to what we normally talk about this time of year, uh, the nuts and bolts of it and, and uh, the type of draft it is, uh, it sounds like just uh, you know hearing you speak earlier and, and some others that it's a, a deep talent pool this year. And, and can you characterize that as such in, in terms of what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I think every time you go into – the draft you're excited about the players you think they're you know certainly a, a large group of players that could potentially impact your major league team down the road uh, and this year is no different uh in terms of specific demographics whether that be college position players or pitchers or high school position players and pitchers or junior college players uh, there is depth in every area uh, and I think we can all take a look at some of the publications and, and see who the highlights are at, at the potential top end of the draft. But you never know. Uh, and to your point, yes, it is is a deep draft in all areas. Uh, so pretty exciting what we can do. We pick uh, 23rd and then 36 and then 56 uh, and continue through the fifth round. So we have that extra pick as well, which is exciting to uh, to work with. So we'll see how it goes. But there's certainly a lot of talent um, to to work through. And at the top of our conversation, we, we talked about the differences in this year's draft, just the five rounds instead of, of 40 as in years past. You'll have the ability to sign more free agents than, than you did in the past, the amateur free agents. Um, how has that changed what you've done, and, and has it, if, if it has? And what are some of the preparations that, that you've done to, to try and lure maybe some free agents who aren't in those top five rounds? Yeah, it's a great question. So the first thing we've done is kind of prioritize in the short term. So we want to be really ready for those five rounds. Uh, and then outside of that, um, there's a, we needed to 
have a systematic approach to determine how we are going to work through any potential free agents. And the first step is just understanding rosters uh, and opportunities for players. The last thing you want to do is bring in a player where they don't have uh, a clear opportunity. That's extremely important to us. Uh, so we've worked through that. And then as far as our targeted plan, uh, we uh, have worked through uh, just getting some feedback from player development, our scouting staff on the best way to approach this. And what we've come up with is uh, we have come up with an organizational video that we can share with players just to give them a little background and idea about who we are. And honestly, that stems from when we are in the house with players or we're meeting with players, we typically have the opportunity to share a little bit about more about who we are and what we do to give them some background and hopefully educate themselves or educate them a little bit on the process. Since we don't have a clear opportunity there, um, we've tried to take advantage of some of the technology and look forward to working through that. But uh, we're still trying to finalize the plan there and it should come together soon. Well, and when you look at it, the Indians have such a, a good reputation player development-wise, especially it seems on the, on the pitching side. Um, do you sense that when when you visit with, with kids um, and, and maybe in that particular situation where they, they might have a choice of where they can sign? We do, and I think that's the unique thing about this year in, in talking to some players and parents and agents. They've all mentioned, so very rarely do they have the opportunity to choose who they end up with, uh, which is unique and exciting for the players and the families. Uh, and I can tell you that there have been quite a few phone calls where our player development system has come up and unprompted just sharing uh the appreciation or the admiration for what the player development system has done in terms of not only developing pitchers, but position players, um, how we go about it, the culture in the organization uh, in, in all different areas. And one of the things that we share with the players is that, you know, if there's anybody within the organization that you would like to reach out to and learn more about, uh, whether that's a coach or, or a player, we're wide open to that. And, and honestly, I think that separates us. I, I think, as players have an opportunity to learn from the ones that are in the organization, uh, we've gotten some positive feedback there as well. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity and uh, very fortunate that we have uh, such a great player development staff. Now, it's a, a changing landscape, but I know there, there are certain things that, that remain the same, and, and the Indians have gone about it very well on that scouting and drafting side of things in, in many, many seasons to set up a great run at the major league level. And Scott, you're back at it again next week. Thanks so much for the time here today, and, and best of luck next week. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me, and I uh, look forward to talking to you soon. That's Scott Barnsby, and we thank him for his time. He joined us on Friday from his home down in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, he'll be part of that uh, Zoom call or, or virtual call uh, that uh, they'll try and make sure everything works properly, and uh, certainly the Indians have one of the great IT departments to keep that going. And we saw it with the NFL draft. It seemed like everything went off without a hitch, and certainly that is the hope for Major League Baseball to have the same, and uh, no reason to think it won't happen that way. The first round and the uh, subsequent picks at the end of the first round will take place next Wednesday, and then rounds two through five will take place on Thursday. And we'll probably talk with Scott again and hopefully be able to visit with some of the draft picks as well on next week's edition of Tribe Talk. Stay tuned. More to come as we continue with Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Hang on, folks. This baby isn't over yet. Jim Rosenhouse back with you for our final segment 
as uh, we join you from home again, waiting out the return of Major League Baseball. And again, it, you may listen to this and say, what is he, nuts? But I, you can choose to be optimistic or pessimistic. <laughs> I'm going to be optimistic that we will have baseball. Uh, certainly, uh, we are planning on the radio end of all the different scenarios that uh, could take place in terms of what would be different in a scenario where there are no fans at the ballpark. And that seems highly likely when baseball does return. So our jobs will be different, myself and Tom Hamilton. So that's some of the things that we're working through right now, trying to account for all of the different possibilities. Because when an agreement is struck, and I like to say when and not if, uh, things will happen very quickly as there'll be a spring training 2.0 and then a baseball season at some point in time. And that's what we're counting on, keeping our fingers crossed until we hear different. And uh, we hope you'll be along for the ride once it does begin. Want to remind you that you can listen to this show each week on the Indians Radio Network participating stations, usually late Saturday afternoon or evening. Also online at Indians.com. All the archived editions are there. And you can pick us up as a podcast wherever you download your favorite podcasts, including Apple iTunes and the iHeartRadio app. Want to thank Brian Matze as always, for his help in putting together our shows each week. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk Presented by Progressive on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.